Why don't we open up our Bibles tonight to Romans 13 as we continue to look at the enemy of our flesh. Of course, we've already considered what this flesh is. It is the second spiritual enemy that we need to fight against, even as that old Puritan prayer reminds us, from all deceits of the world and the flesh and the devil, that great triumvirate of enemies, spiritual enemies, Good Lord, deliver us. And we need to keep praying that prayer because of what our flesh has become. Ever since the fall, sin has infected every part of our human nature. Sin has affected our minds, it's affected our hearts, it's affected our wills, and it's affected even our consciences. So the answer to the question, how far did we fall when Adam sinned, is all the way. We fell all the way. We were, in fact, dead in our trespasses and in our sins. You can't get more fallen than that. Even to the point that we're told in Romans 8.8 8, that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. We cannot please God in any way, shape, or form if we live in our flesh. And, of course, without Christ, we all live in our flesh. But when God opens your eyes to that condition in your life, it ought to cause you to cry out the way the Apostle Paul did in Romans 7.24, which we considered the last time we were together on Sunday nights, when he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And again, he's talking about his flesh, his sinful fallen flesh. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now, whenever there is this desire for deliverance in your heart, just like the gentleman that uh, Colson mentioned this evening, Oscar. God has put this desire to grow closer to Christ. Whenever God does that for us, the solution to the problem and the answer to the question is the same. The question, who shall deliver me? And what is it? Romans 7.25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it really is Jesus. It really is the gospel that is the solution and the answer to the struggles and sins of our flesh, our own flesh, our old flesh, that enemy within. And of course, that is certainly true for our salvation from sin. Jesus is our deliverer so that we might be saved and forgiven of our sin. But that remains true for our sanctification from our sin, so that we will be more holy as he is holy, so that we will be more like the master throughout our entire life as a Christian. So there is a solution to the struggles you have with your flesh. And that solution is found in Christ. And that solution is found in the gospel. Now, so far, we've actually seen the foundation, the foundation upon which victory over our flesh is built. Victory is built on a two-fold foundation, which we've already considered. First of all, you need to live your life depending on Jesus as your deliverer. Again, not only is this necessary for salvation, this is also necessary for sanctification so that you can become more like your master. So that's the first part of this twofold foundation upon which the victory over our flesh is built. You need to live your life depending on Jesus as your deliverer. And again, that's why Paul said uh, what he did there in Romans 7, 24. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You will never be able to experience ongoing victory over the lusts and sins of your flesh unless and until you run to 
and depend on the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver you whenever you are in the throes of temptation and trial. You've got to run to him because he is able to deliver you. But then that foundation has a second part, which we also considered, and that is you need to live your life dwelling with the Holy Spirit. Dwelling with the Holy Spirit, who according to Jesus' promise, dwells with and indwells everyone who believes in him. So basically, you've got to dwell with him as he dwells in you. So when you struggle to look more like Christ, which we all do, when you struggle to live more like Christ, which we all struggle with, when you struggle even to love more like Christ, all because of your flesh, you need to walk in the Spirit. You need to walk in the Spirit. Just like we found in Galatians 5.16. Because when you do, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So again, this is the foundation for victory over our flesh. Depending on our deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ, and dwelling and walking with the Spirit who indwells us. But in addition to those, in addition to that foundation, in addition to depending on Christ and dwelling with the Spirit, there are other means. There are other means that we find in Scripture to help us overcome our flesh. But they are never done apart from the foundation. They're not built apart from the foundation. Rather, they're built on the foundation of depending on Christ and walking in the Spirit. And we need to keep this in mind when we consider what Paul tells us in the verses that we will look at tonight from Romans 13. And so I'd like us to start off by reading verse 11 and then read through the end of the chapter of Romans 13, where Paul tells us as Christians that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So this is one of the means that God gives to us to build on the foundation of depending on the Lord and dwelling with the Spirit. Because as a Christian, you are given a responsibility in these verses and in others like it to deny your flesh, even as it says there in verse 14, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So again, in addition to depending on your deliverer and running to him when you're facing temptations and trials and walking and dwelling with the Spirit as he indwells you, you then need to deny your own flesh, that old fallen flesh. And in these verses, we find three things that have to do with denying your flesh so that you might experience greater victory over your flesh, which is God's desire for your life as a Christian even tonight. And so the first thing that we can see from these verses is the practices to deny. The practices that you and I need to deny. The practices of our flesh that we need to personally deny as we depend on Christ and dwell in the Spirit. Again, remember the foundation. There in verse 14, actually, we're told to not make provision for the flesh. 
to fulfill the lust thereof. But in verse 13, we find some of those lusts, don't we? We find some of those lusts of the flesh that are the cause of so many of the temptations that we personally have to give into our flesh so that we might sin against the Lord. These lusts of the flesh include, again, verse 13, rioting and drunkenness, chambering and wantonness, as the King James puts it, and strife and envy. What are these lusts of the flesh? Well, rioting and drunkenness, we can describe our sins of self-indulgence. Sins of self-indulgence. That is just pouring your heart out to something other than God. These, this is really essentially idolatry, as so many of these sins are. Rioting and drunkenness are sins of self-indulgence because rioting actually involves the kind of behavior that typically accompanies drinking and drunkenness. Rioting also carries the idea of revelry and carousing as found in other translations. So when your flesh tempts you to live without any restraint or self-control, you must not give in to those kinds of desires. To indulge in things that ultimately draw your heart away from God. Obviously, these are specific sins, and yet it's a general category of all kinds of sins. But instead, you must deny your flesh and make not provision for it. After all, this is the kind of life that the world often lives for, isn't it? You know, the philosophy of, of why don't we just eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die? How many people live for the weekend and only the weekend so that they can just get drunk on the weekend and have whatever parties they go to on the weekend so that they can forget everything else that took place the week before. So many people live their lives for this kind of lust, this kind of self-indulgence. And of course, you can relate to that drugs and all kinds of things to desensitize yourself to the affairs of this world rather than running to Jesus Christ as your deliverer from this world. Again, the world sees this fleshly pleasure as their greatest purpose in their lives. And of course, we know that there may be pleasure in sin, but only for a season. And it certainly is a very short season at that. We need to deny our flesh and make not provision for it. Chambering and wantonness describe sins of sexual immorality. Of sexual immorality, another way in which we replace God with something else that we think will give us greater pleasure than the Lord. While chambering here in the King James refers to sexual promiscuity, that is basically to give yourself to anyone and anything outside the boundaries that we find in the Word of God, wantonness refers to sexual perversity and debauchery, things that should not even be mentioned by men. And of course, this would include all kinds of immorality that are outside the boundaries set down by God in His Word. And of course, you think of all of the, the, the letters, as I've heard one person describe it, the alphabet soup that the world takes such pride in. Of course, those are the words and the letters that they use, right? It's been an entire month last month in celebrating those letters of L and G and B and Q, and you can just keep going and adding more things to it. So many people take pride in those things, but that's what chambering and wantonness is. Sexual immorality and debauchery 
and perversity and promiscuity. And once again, this is the kind of life the world often lives for, as if sex is all there is, and if sex and sexual deviancy is their only identity. And that's why when it comes to the pull of your flesh to any of this kind of living, as a child of God, you need to deny your flesh and not make any provision for it. Because that is not of God. Another category of sins that are listed here are strife and envy. Strife and envy are sins of what we can describe as immodesty and pride. Because we're told in Proverbs 13.10, only by pride comes contention. <laughs> so when you're, there's envy and strife and strife and envy, why is that? Because of pride. Because of pride. So having a hostile and a divisive spirit is contrary to the humble and gentle spirit that Christ has and that Christians should be known for. And you know, when we find the spirit coming to the forefront in our lives, we must deny our flesh. How many times and really how easy is it for us to have envy and strife over what people are, what people have, what people do to us? And when that comes to the forefront, we need to deny our flesh and make not provision for it to fulfill the lust thereof. Of course, these are just some examples of the lust of our flesh that we need to be wary of in our lives. This is certainly what the world goes after, but this should not be named once among us as the people of God. And to avoid that, to obtain victory over that, to, to achieve victory over those temptations, to go there, we must deny ourselves. In each of these practices, we need to learn by God's grace and through His strength to deny them. Because these are all sins that are related to both the literal and spiritual darkness of the night. Of course, that's one of the reasons why there in verse 12, Paul says, the night is far spent. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So what is the work of darkness? Rioting and drunkenness, chambering and wantonness, strife and envying, these are the lusts of the flesh that belong in the night, that belong in the darkness. And truly, that's even why the darkness of sin is most comfortable in the darkness of night. Why is it that a lot of these lusts take place at night, in the dark, where they think no one else can see them? Because Jesus said in John 3.19, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So even still, there must be some conscience, there must be some shame to hide it, to try to hide it from other eyes. But we must never forget that in all things and to all people, Hebrews 4.13 is true, all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Sin and sinners are never hidden from the eyes of God. Sin and sinners are never hidden from the eyes of God. And that's why whenever we are faced with temptation to go in this direction, in any of these directions, we must deny our flesh, deny our flesh, so that we might progress in victory over the flesh. But that's also why as Christians, number two, we need to remember the procedure to deny. That is, the procedure to deny the drives and impulses of our flesh. And that's what Paul addresses there in verse 14 when he says again, make not 
provision for the flesh, the procedure to deny our flesh. We need to remember that this is an apostolic command. That is, this is Jesus himself commanding us through his apostles to make not provision for the flesh. This is a command that every one of us as Christians is responsible to hear and to heed in our lives as Christians. Now, the word translated provision here has the root idea of forethought or to think about something ahead of time. Now, when you think about that, most cases, forethought is better than afterthought, especially in the planning stages of things. I mentioned this morning how Colson's dad and his company were making forecasts and plans for the future, and certainly that is something that we need to do when we're making plans for things. You've got to count the cost when you're doing a building project or when you're doing any kind of carpentry work. You, you should measure twice so that you would only cut once. That's forethought, that's planning, and that's a good thing. But it's not a good thing when it comes to our flesh and our lusts. We are not to make provision for our flesh. And that means, first of all, we must not ponder the lusts of our flesh. That is, we must not think about them because that will just lead us to doing them. This is where yielding to temptation all begins. When we ponder the lusts of our own flesh and we keep them in our minds instead of praying for God's grace to cast them out of our minds. All too often, we let our lusts take root in our minds until we finally act upon them, whether it involves the sins of self-indulgence or immorality or even immodesty and pride. So instead of pondering the lusts of our flesh, instead of pondering what is wrong, what should we ponder and what should we think about instead? What is right? In fact, Philippians 4.8 tells us what we ought to think about. You know these verses. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. That is, ponder them. That is part of denying ourselves and denying our flesh, is not thinking about the lust of the flesh in a way that would lead us down that path, that sinful path, but rather thinking about the things that God gives us that are true, honest, just, lovely, pure. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. And do you realize that every single one of these characteristics can describe the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel? and his word, and the love that he has for us. Think about God. So whenever you're faced with a lust in your life, a lust of the flesh that, that you're tempted to think about, you need to start thinking about these things instead. In fact, open your Bibles or have a three-by-five card or have something in your wallet or in your purse that you can pull out and start reading these verses and say, God, I don't want to think about things that are false. I want to think about things that are true. Help me understand what is true. Help me think about things that are honest or just or pure. This is how you can have victory over your flesh. By pondering and thinking about these things and not making provision for the flesh. We must not ponder the lust of the flesh. Also, we must not plan ways to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Of course, this is the next step down, right? 
We must not plan ways to fulfill the lusts of our flesh. After all, that's where pondering those lusts will always lead. Now, when you make these kinds of plans, what's going on in your mind is you're actually considering the logistics of sin. What are logistics? It's basically trying to figure out the where and the when and the how to best fulfill whatever you're trying to do. Uh, it's a common term that is used, especially in the trucking industry, right? And there's logistics. You've got a, you've, you've got a product at point A, and you've got to get that product to point B, and you're trying to figure out the, the fastest way, the most efficient way, the most cost-effective way, and so you think about where and when and how to get that there. But isn't that something that we often do in our own lusts and in our own flesh? We think about ways to fulfill those lusts of the flesh instead of denying those lusts of the flesh, whether it's worry or whether it's any other kind of these things that we've looked at. Instead, you need to deny those plans and even at times deny the places and times and ways that will put you into the way of temptation. Consider the logistics of how you get from point A, which is the lust, to point B, which is the sin, and avoid it. In fact, in Proverbs 4, 14 and 15, we're actually told, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. Now, when we think of the paths of others that are wicked, we think that that's wisdom. Okay, I, I don't want to go to the places where I know there will be drug dealers. I don't want to go in their path, the path of the wicked that could lead me astray. But what about your own wicked ways? What about your own wicked paths? What about your own lusts of your flesh? When it comes to the paths of your own flesh, this is also wisdom. We need to avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. When you consider the, the drives and the pulls that you have in your own flesh and you think about the plans to fulfill those lusts, remember that verse. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. Because that too is how you can have victory over your flesh. By making plans not to yield to temptation, but to avoid temptation. But then we also need to not provide for the flesh. We also need to not provide for the, the flesh, that is, to feed it what it wants and what it desires. Now, we all know that God has given to each one of us senses, and we have five senses, physical senses. But those senses actually serve as gates to our souls. Now, uh, a few years ago, we looked at John Bunyan's book, Pilgrim's Progress, but he also wrote a book that dealt with the senses as gates to our souls. And it's a, a book that I would recommend people to read as well. But that's why we need to be careful with what we let through those gates, the, the, the gates of our senses, the, the eye gate, the ear gate, and even our mouth and nose and touch gates. Do you remember the song that we used to teach little children? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Remember that? There's a lot of truth to that. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above, look it down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. 
Shouldn't that apply to us as adults? Shouldn't this apply to all of us as Christians? And yet how many times are we really careful about what goes through our sense gates that approach our very souls? And instead what we do is we feed our flesh. We may not even think about it, but a lot of times we have things built up over time that the world is just bombarding and infiltrating our minds and our eyes and all of these things. And what happens is, sooner or later, that flesh is fed so that it will come out in ways that are unbiblical and ungodly. Another way the Bible describes this feeding the flesh is in terms of sowing and reaping. You don't need to turn there, but in Galatians 6, 7, and 9, Paul says, Be not deceived. God is not balked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the, of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So to have greater victory over your flesh, you need to stop sowing to your flesh. You need to stop feeding your flesh what it wants, which again is anything that promotes self-indulgence and immorality and immodesty. Of course, sadly, even ads today, when you're watching what could be just a benign show, These ads promote indulgence and immorality and immodesty. And these are things that we don't need to let into our gates. And this is the procedure that each one of us needs to put in place in our lives on a daily basis. So that, again, we will, verse 14, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, maybe you feel like you've tried that before. Maybe you feel like, you know, I, I have tried to, you know, bar the gates to my soul. And I've tried it many times, but I failed. Well, we then need to remember we must never divorce self-denial from the foundation of victory, which is what? Depending on Jesus and dwelling with His Spirit. We must build, build our self-denial on dependence and walking with the Spirit. And that's why Paul also describes, number three, the power to deny. The power to deny that we find in our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the very first part of verse 14, Paul says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. He does not separate the procedure to deny your flesh from the power to deny your flesh. In fact, if you do separate those things, you will fail every single time. But when you depend on the power to deny your flesh, you will be able to Perform the procedure to deny your flesh for His glory. The Lord Jesus is the power that lies behind any procedure to, die, to deny any practice of our flesh. Now, what does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it means that as a Christian, there needs to be a daily, deliberate, and decisive renewal in your relationship with and walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. A daily, deliberate, and decisive renewal in your relationship with with and walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like you have a relationship with a friend or your spouse or even a child. It doesn't just start with one day, even that marriage day. That relationship must be renewed on a daily basis if you want the relationship to grow. And so just like you would change your clothes even on every given day, 
Paul says you need to dress yourself up in Christ each day. But how do you do that? Each day you need to resign yourself to Jesus as the Lord and Master of your life. Each day you need to resign yourself to Jesus as the Lord and Master of your life. Best time to do that is when you do get up. It doesn't even have to be much. Even as you get up, you say, Lord, I really need to remember that you are my Lord. You are my Master. That's what Lord means. You're my kurios. And so to put on the Lord Jesus means that each day you renew your submission to his authority and his control in your life no matter what. Lord, no matter what happens today, I'm yours. No matter where I'm going, Lord, I'm going to listen to your word and I'm going to seek to apply my, my life to you. But this also means that each day you need to receive Jesus and even a daily dose of the gospel of his grace. So to put on the Lord Jesus means that you receive and remind yourself of and renew yourself in the good news of Jesus Christ. So don't go away from the gospel. When you fail, go seek forgiveness because there's forgiveness in the Lord. In fact, he's faithful to forgive us if we would just confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so each day you receive this daily dose of the gospel and his grace. It's like a nice shower that prepares you for a new day. The refreshing droplets of gospel blessings will prepare you for the day of struggle that is ahead against your own flesh. So how do we apply this? Well, each day of your life requires repentance from your sin every day. You know what your sins are. You know what your struggles are. You know what your lusts are. You know what the, the flesh is seeking. You know what that is. And you repent of it. You say, Lord, I'm sorry, and I don't want this. I don't want to go my way. I want to go your way. I don't want to feed my flesh. I want to feed the Spirit. I don't want to sow things to the flesh. I want to sow to the Spirit. And so, Lord, I'm repenting of my sin. But then you also experience that fresh reception of Christ's grace through faith. That is, you read those promises, and you remember that those promises are for you. Promises of forgiveness and fellowship through faith. And that leads to fresh rejoicing in the God of your salvation. Every single day you ought to think about how great and glorious Jesus is and rejoice in Him. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Every day you can experience what Jeremiah experienced even though he was in the middle of lamentations. <laughs> right? Here he is, the weeping prophet, lamenting in Lamentations 3, 21 and 23. Then he says, This I recall to my mind, and therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So every day, receive the gospel again. But also, each day you need to resolve something. By God's grace and His strength, you need to resolve to deny yourself and your flesh, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Again, this is a daily, deliberate, and decisive resolution to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He alone can provide what you need to make not provision for the flesh. So building on the foundation of depending on Jesus as your deliverer and dwelling with and walking with the Holy Spirit, what else are we to do? Deny the lusts of your flesh so that you might experience greater victory in your life every day.
Let's close in prayer. Gracious Father, I thank you again that you have given us great practical truth of how we can progress in victory over not just the world, but also our own flesh, that second spiritual enemy that we all have within us, the enemy within. And Lord, we know that there's a close connection between the enemy within and the enemy without, between the flesh and the world. And yet, Lord, we know that by your grace and through your strength, as we depend on you and dwell in your spirit, that we can now deny our flesh. Deny the impulses of the lusts of our flesh so that we will not fulfill them and displease you. And so, Father, I pray that tonight you will help us to think about our own lives and to think about the the lusts of our own flesh and to think about what even categories of sins they might be. But then think through the practical daily ways of, of not making provision for our flesh. Help us, Lord, not to ponder it. Help us, Lord, not not to make plans for it. Help us, Lord, not to give in to it, but rather, Lord, to resist it, to deny it, to take up our cross and follow Christ. Help us, Lord, to do this daily, deliberately, and decisively. Again, never forgetting that the only way, the only power that we have to deny our flesh is to depend on our Savior and walk in His Spirit. And so, Father, by Your grace again and through Your strength, we pray that we may. And this week when we are faced with those lusts of our flesh, that You will enable us to deny them so that we might please You. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.